Thank you for joining me for another episode of DK's Amped Podcast. You're listening to the song Painkiller by Judas Priest. I'll tell you what, isn't this just one of the best song intros you've ever heard? It's absolutely fantastic. Man, what a day. What a day. This whole holding patterns with everything in this world just has me down. It's got me down. I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't know if our state's going to open up. I don't know if volleyball tournaments are going to happen. I don't know if bicycle races are going to happen. I just don't know. Don't know if restaurants are going to open. I would love nothing more than to literally sit down at a restaurant right now and somebody take my order. Go to a bar and somebody hands me a, a nice beer from behind the bar. I don't know. All this rage has me all pent up. I'm going to I'm going to hit my do some roundhouse kicks into my punching bag later on after I get done with this podcast and just take out some aggression, man. Just got to take out some aggression. All right. Well, anyways, today is part 2 of my podcast, Music That Changed My Life. In episode 3, I talked a whole lot about the most influential music that uh, it really changed my life prior to 1999. Today I'm going to pick up right where I left off, but before I get started, I just want to apologize for, once again, in advance, saying things like, this album is so good, or this band rocks, or this concert was so much fun, because I will be saying that a lot today. It's just a matter of fact. So without further ado, Let's dive in headfirst and talk about the year 2000. So, you know, once we all realized that computers weren't going to cause the world to collapse after the turn of the century, it was time to start a new chapter in my love for music. A few things I remember from around this time. The Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile Album. Well, it's a double album of tracks, and, you know, I have always loved it. Always loved that album. But I do remember some critics over the years dissing that album at first. You know, I think a lot of people are falling in love with it now. Um, Trent Reznor, for example, he didn't like the album. He was high as a kite when he recorded the album. He said he hates it. And he doesn't, he doesn't uh, play it much during concerts. He, there's just not a lot of lyrics on it, is what he says. Anyways, I love it. It's great. This album actually took me back into the Nine Inch Nails entire catalog, including their remixes. I personally am a big believer in Nine Inch Nails having the best remixes of albums on the planet. So, there you go. Uh, another album that changed me around this time was the Strung Out Elements of Sonic Defiance album. This This album was really good. Now, granted, it's not necessarily an album as much as an EP, but it had a little heavier sound to it. It was a little more polished. Just an all-out great EP. I mean, there's not a bad song on the entire EP. In 2000, Strung Out was now my favorite band of all time. Um, another album, The Cure Blood Flowers. That's another album that, uh, that was really a changer for me. And the reason being, and it wasn't so much for that album, but that album brought me right back into listening to all the old Cure stuff. I just realized I need to be listening to them more often than I was. Um, 
since I listened to uh, that album, I now I grab any sort of a random Cure album uh, at will. I I put it on play. I listen to the whole album, and you know what? I love them. I love the Cure, man. They're phenomenal. My favorite Cure song, by the way, is a song primary off of their Faith album. It has a nice dark dance beat to it, which is kind of neat. But yes, I, I do listen to a lot of Cure to this day. Now, I'm pretty sure this is the year I finally started listening to a little bit more Eminem. Um, here's a funny story. I brought I bought the Slim Shady EP, and I bought the edited version by mistake. Yep, oh well. But you know what? It was still fun to listen to, and I listened to it a lot because that man can rhyme, literally. To this day... I know almost all of the lyrics to the edited version of that album, and anytime I hear the unedited version, it just completely throws me off. So I only listen to the edited version of that first album. <laughs> Around this uh, the same time, I really started listening to The Clash. Yes, The Clash. Once I heard the London Calling album, I told myself, I go, why have I not been listening to this band since I was two years old? That's when they dropped their self-titled debut. You know, I do blame my sisters for that because they should have been giving me the Clash album and saying, I don't care if you're two, little brother. I'm going to force this album onto you and you're going to listen to it from day one. I wish that would have happened, but it didn't. You know, I can go on and on about how awesome the Clash is, but just know that they are now one of my top five favorite bands of all time. Do yourself a huge favor and go listen to the podcast on Spotify called Stay Free, the Story of the Clash, and you'll see for yourself just how the, the Clash is the only band that matters. It's even narrated by Chuck D. from Public Enemy. Yes, you heard me right, Chuck D. You're welcome. Uh, March 25th, the year 2000, also marked one of the greatest concerts I ever went to, and it also marked one of the greatest days that I've ever had in my life. Uh, here's the backdrop for this story. So some friends of mine and I drove from Appleton to Madison to go to see the Red Hot Chili Pepper show. Now, before we even went to the show, we decided to go to the Badger Bowl to suck down a few brewskis. Um, we wanted to catch the Wisconsin-Purdue game. It was the Elite Eight matchup. Winner goes to the Final Four. If you know your Badger basketball history, they won that game. And now they're heading to the Final Four for the first time in a bazillion years. This was huge. Absolutely huge. So, next stop was the Coliseum to finally see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The opener that day was an unknown band at the time called Muse. Yes, Muse was so good. After they played, I went downstairs to the merch table and snagged one of their CDs. When I got back to my seat, I forgot I had it in my back pocket. I sat down and broke the case. Thank God the CD was still okay. <laughs> I still have that broken case CD in my collection. The next band up was none other than the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl blew my mind that day. Now, even I wasn't even a huge Foo Fighters fan at the time. I knew them. I listened to them. Well, not a huge fan, but after that show, I was a very big fan. The intensity he has in his music is so infectious. Um, when I think of musicians that love music themselves, I think of people like Johnny Cash, Travis Barker, and Dave Grohl. So, finally, 
it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, turn to get up on on the stage, and they really did their best shot to try to burn down that Coliseum that day. I think Anthony Kiedis and Flea were challenging each other to challenging each other to who could have the most uh, most energy that night. Flea won. He did. I recently saw a picture of Flea running with running shoes and, and running shorts. Apparently back in 2011, he decided to run the LA Marathon. Yep, Flea has so much energy, he runs marathons. So now I'm going to put the next little group of years together. 2001 to around, oh, let's say 2008. For whatever reason, this time is a little bit blurry for me music-wise. I'm not sure why, can't pinpoint it. Um, I, I know I didn't go to a ton of shows during that time frame, but there were quite a few noticeable things, or notable things, I should say, that stick out to me over that seven-year period. Um, the Slipknot Iowa album, for example, came out in 2000. I have no idea why I wanted it, but I did. So I went out, I bought it, I listened to it a few times, didn't really understand it, thought it was a little too dark and heavy, and I didn't listen to it again for a long time. Um, I did see Sting at the Cole Center. He played all his old police songs, so that was pretty rad. Uh, then I saw Run DMC, also at the Cole Center. <laughs> this was before Jam Master J died, so Run DMC was in full effect. Um, I was a pretty big AFI fan by, uh, oh, I think the show was around 2003-ish. So I dragged my good buddy Andy Ep Ep Eppinger to go see them in Milwaukee. Um, this is right before they mellowed out a little bit music-wise, so they still were uh, were a pretty hardcore punk band. I remember Davey Havoc jumping off of every speaker on the stage and just having a ton of energy. This was also the last time I saw my buddy Andy Eppinger. Now, don't get me wrong, Andy's still alive, but literally, I just haven't seen him since 2003 for my recollection. So Andy Eppinger, if you're listening to this podcast, please give me a shout. I'd love to catch up with you or anybody that knows where Andy is and can get me a phone number. Please do that. Oh, January 30th, 2004. That was the Hoobastank POD Lincoln Park show in Madison at the Coliseum. You know, no one I, I knew wanted to go, so I went solo. I think I was the first concert I ever went to all by myself. Now, I'm not going to lie. Going to a show by yourself isn't such a bad thing. It's just the energy, the music, and myself. Nobody else. Um, I'm very glad I was able to see Linkin Park back in their prime. That was great. By the way, you know, I would still rather go to a show with a concert buddy any day, any day, over going by myself. But it wasn't so bad at all. November 3rd, 2004. That was the third and the last time I saw the Beastie Boys live. Uh, Talib Kweli opened for him along with this this crazy dog cir circus show act, which I thought was fucking brilliant, by the way. I remember some of my best friends, Kurt and Krista Wismer, being there. You know, I just don't remember if if we planned to meet there or if I saw them by chance and they just happened to be in Madison. I, I couldn't tell you. Either way, man, that Beastie Boys show was just awesome. It was awesome. Oh, let's go to October 13th, 2005. This was the Nine Inch Nails show. Now, I never saw Nine Inch Nails live, and I always, always wanted to. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age was the opener for him. I went with a friend of mine, Peter Churchian, and uh, yeah, we were pretty much in the pit the whole night. Well, 
actually Peter was in the pit the whole night, I uh, I I had to bow out. This is the only show I can remember being at where I almost passed out from heat exhaust exhaustion for being in the pit a little bit too long. I had to remove myself from that sauna, go get a $5 water, and watch the rest of the 9-inch nails set from my seat. Um, I'll tell you what was the most memorable thing for me that night, though, was that 9-inch nails only played music. Trent Reznor didn't talk. He didn't even say, hello, Madison, or any crap like that. He literally just played music for probably two hours straight. It was It was great. So I also had a, a co-worker of my brother-in-law turn me on to a great punk band from Chicago named the Lawrence Arms around this time. So actually, wait a minute. That's like saying my grandma's neighbor's grandson, who has a friend whose cousin is in the band that opened for this awesome band that I saw live once. <laughs> anyway... Back to the Lawrence Arms comment I was going to make. They were they were quite a game changer for me with their, all their poetic lyrics layered over punk rock sounds played by three very talented musicians. Their Butt Sweat and Tears EP is my personal favorite of theirs. Great name, huh? Butt Sweat and Tears. Who comes up with this shit? Um, speaking of my brother-in-law, Keith McCarthy... He did get me into listening to more West Side Connection, which, by the way, is Ice Cube, Dub C, and Mac-10. They were kind of a, a gangster rap supergroup, and now they're my favorite gangster rap group to this day, no doubt. Um, both of their albums, Bow Down and Terrorist Threats, are fantastic. Keith also reminded me just how good old N.W.A. is, the Dead Kennedys, Metallica, Ludicrous and Public Enemy. And Keith listens to all that. He got me into listening to all those again. Great, great stuff. Um, one last thing on Keith. He told me to listen to this artist named Girl Talk. So I did. My mind was fucking blown once again. This guy's a music mashup whiz kid. I, um, uh, you know, as I listened to him, I kept asking myself, did I just hear Metallica mashed with the two live crew? Is that Bruce Springsteen mixed with 3-6 Mafia? Was that Nas and Weezer? Okay, did I just hear Juicy by Biggie mashed with Tiny Dancer? I was instantly hooked, no doubt. Um, the Feed the Animals album is so good. Give that album a listen if you never have. Just trust me on this. Mash-ups are the shit. Uh, let's see, other influential albums during this time for me were uh, Avenged Sevenfold, City of Evil, Alkaline Trio, Agony and Irony, uh, Anti-Flag, The Terror State, and For Blood and Empire, Bad Religion, The New America. Now, granted, The New America is not Bad Religion's best album by far, but it did get me back into listening to Bad Religion. Um... During this time, I listened to a ton of them, and I still listen to them this day. I kind of get these bad religion itches where every six months I just need to listen to them for a whole week, and I cure my itch. It, bad religion is like the calamine lotion of music. Pennywise, The Land of the Free, which is my favorite Pennywise album. Just great songs cover to cover on that album. The Police Box Set. You know, I found that at a CD resale store, so I didn't have to pay the $80 that they were charging for it. I think I paid $20. So anyways, I bought it. 
And I listen to that album a lot. It's uh, or that box set a lot, I should say. It's just great. It's every single police song ever recorded on one box set. So I know in 2004, I bought a copy of Alternative Press magazine, and inside was a great article about the 20 metal bands that every person who loves alternative music should be listening to, or something like that anyways. I do feel that this was a pretty big turning point in my music listening career to heavier music. Lamb of God, Shadows Fall, Kill Switch Engage, Diecast, and Hatebreed were all part of this article. So I took a chance and bought these albums. The Kill Switch Engage, End of the Heartache, and uh, Liver Just Breathing. Lamb of God, Ashes of the Wake, and As the Palaces Burn. Diecast, Tearing Down Your Blue Sky. Shadows Fall, The War Within. These metalcore albums really did have a huge influence on me because these albums I still listen to today, like a lot, especially Kill Switch Engage and Lamb of God. These are two of my favorite bands right now. Oh, I think around this time I started listening to more darker, crustier type punk rock as well. The Casualties come to mind as the band that kind of got me into crust punk. On the Front Lines and Under Attack albums were the ones that I had, and they were pretty mind-blowing for me. Now, even though they aren't as crusty as some crust punk, it did get me to turn that way a little bit. Um, I started listening to heavier crust punk bands like Tau Cross, Ringworm, Black Breath, Trap Them, and Tragedy. You know, Tragedy, by the way, is is one uh, one band that I've always said, if I was in a band, I would sound like them. It's just yelling aggressive lyrics into a microphone over some aggressive background music. I'll tell you what, that's well within my vocal range, especially since I can't sing. I'm more of an entertainer, and that band is entertaining. All right, let's talk 2009. You know, it may have been from Facebook, but somehow I stumbled across the remake of the classic Pixie song, Where's My Mind? It was by this dubstep artist named Bass Nectar. Yes. That same song I played at the beginning of last week's episode. You're right. It just blew my mind. Such a deep bass feel with a whole bunch of bass drops all over one of my favorite Pixies tricks. Pixies songs. Pixies tricks. All over one of my favorite Pixies tracks. I wanted to hear more, so I went to Bass Nectar's website and immediately downloaded all the free MP3s he had. I think he had around 10 or so at that time that I could download. So then I found out about these other bands, like or these other DJs called Calvatron, Rusco, Datsik, Excision, and Downlink. I, I'm pretty sure that I only listened to Dubstep for about the next six months straight. It was all amazing. The better your sound system is to play that kind of music on, the better it sounds. I also finally went to see Motley Crue as an entire band. It wasn't just Vince Neil singing Motley Crue songs with three of the four members of Slaughter playing the instruments like it was back in 1996. Vince Neil, Mick Mars, Nikki Six, and Tommy Lee, man, they were all there. I was so excited. It was even on Valentine's Day and everything. So, you know what? It was just automatically going to be a good time. I'm so glad I went. But FYI, even back in 2009, Vince Neil was losing his ability to sing real well. 
you know, uh, they still they, they still are planning to have their their summer stadium tour. They think it's going to go on without a hitch, but I'll really believe that when I see it. 2009 is also when I went to my first JJO band camp. Hot weather, hard rock, metal music. What a fucking awesome combo is what I thought. So JJO, by the way, is the best radio station around, and they really know how to put on an entertaining show. Um, I don't remember all the bands that played that day, but Dope, Pop Evil, Power Man 5000, Nonpoint, Black Label Society, and Mundvane were all the ones that I remember the most. I also went the following year, this time with an even bigger crew of friends and an even bigger list of bands like Hailstorm, Seven Dust, and Godsmack. I remember sneaking in some tequila, and uh, when that was gone, I was I, I switched over to drinking fully leaded Four Locos. I got pretty shit-faced to say the least, and I don't remember the entire Buck Cherry set. Um, I think I was actually arguing with Jeremiah that the band Buck Cherry didn't even play their set, and I was pretty mad about it. But he was pretty certain they played, that I was next to him while they were playing, and that I really didn't miss much. <laughs> I think the hot weather and alcohol got the best of me that day, or did it maybe just make everything better? I'll let you decide on that. 2010. I went to see the Music as a Weapon 4 tour with God Forbid, Suicide Silence, Chimera, Kill Switch Engage, Lacuna Coil, and Disturbed at the Coliseum with my metal concert buddies, Keith Oberly and his girlfriend Allie. This show was pretty damn fun. Uh, they even had a freestyle motocross exhibition going on right next to the stage. That was, that was cool. That was really cool. I also went back to see the Vans Warp Tour this year in Milwaukee for the first time in well over a decade. This was the first year in probably eight years that they weren't just focusing on emo and alt metal music, and it was back to punk bands. Not all of it, but a lot of punk bands just like the old days. I got to see Face to Face, Alkaline Trio, Pennywise, just give you a few examples. I remember my buddy Andy Powers being there, and he got to go backstage at the Pennywise set. I don't know how he got to go backstage. Maybe he knew somebody who knew somebody, but he was there. And he was standing right next to the guitarist named Fletcher. So please understand, Fletcher's a big dude, around 6'7 and 300 pounds. Andy was dwarfed by his size. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Oh, 2011. I was a pretty big Atmosphere fan by 2011, but it wasn't until I went to see him live for the first time that something really clicked for me. Um, I went with my good buddy, Nick Durr. So thank you very much, Nick Durr, for dragging me to that show. I appreciate it. A few years prior to this, Nick actually had influenced my musical taste by introducing me to, to underground hip-hop. Never really knew about it. I personally thought hip-hop died in the 90s, but, you know, he helped me realize that all the good stuff just uh, wasn't mainstream anymore and it was underground. Take The Crest, for example. The Crest is a local hip-hop duo from Madison. Uh, it's two brothers that can flow with the best of them. They rap about the Midwest, Wisco, Madison things. They're, they're just awesome. Here's a couple other uh, great underground hip-hop artists that uh, I enjoy to this day because of Nick. Blackstar, Brother Ali, Cut Chemist, Danger Doom, MF Doom, 
Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Deltron 3030, which, by the way, this was another good show that Nick and I saw around that time. Dr. Octagon, Idea and Abilities, Gangstar, Jurassic 5, R.A. the Rugged Man, Soul Crate Music, The Visionaries, and one of my favorites, and Nick's favorites, Jedi Mind Tricks. Also... In 2011, I got to see two of my favorite punk bands ever, uh, Strung Out and Face to Face at the Raven Milwaukee. I mean, why would I miss a live show with two of my favorite punk bands? Seriously, this show was so good. 2011 is also the year I finally got to see my first dubstep show. And who else would I see but the dude that started my passion of dubstep, Bass Nectar. He was finally playing at the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee. Now, for anyone who's ever gone to see a dubstep show before, you totally understand me when I describe how it feels. The waves of the bass coming from those high-wattage bass cannons feels like it's just flowing right through you, like it's tearing your skin off, but in a good way. It's, it's absolutely amazing, and there's no other feeling like it. Um, from Here's another little point. From 2008... To 2016, Travis Rice, one of the greatest snowboarders of all time and one of my personal favorites, dropped three snowboard movies titled That's It, That's All, The Art of Flight, and The Fourth Phase. These music tracks uh, in these movies are top-notch. And from some amazing bands like Naked and Famous, M83, and Management. Um, I'll tell you what, I listen to a lot of indie-tronic, synth-pop-type music because of T-Rice. And because of my buddy Josh Gamond, he listens to that stuff pretty much nonstop as well. But it's great music. 2012. I'm pretty sure this is when I uh, when I saw a new local punk band from Madison called Mast Intruder play at the Frequency. First of all, I thought that the Frequency was uh, was very similar to that old concert cafe in Green Bay that I used to go see, the same one that I talked about in my last episode. Um, just a small club where punk rock and metal bands would frequent. Mast Intruder has a gimmick, and it's wearing ski masks and singing songs about committing crimes and stealing girls' hearts. You know, after they're set, I had a beer at the bar, and Darwin, who owned the frequency, told me that Mast Intruder is really just the band Gusto. The only difference is the lead singer is now, I'm sorry, the guitarist is now the lead singer, and the lead singer of the Gusto is now the lead guitarist. I thought that was pretty cool that they just reinvented themselves and tried something different. And you know what? It's stuck. They tour all over the world now and are very well known in the punk scene. I've seen them well over five times. With I, I think the last time was last year now that I think about it. Early last year. That night, they played somewhere around 27 songs in maybe an hour. Yeah, they play fast music. I like it. It's good. Uh, let's see. Also that year, I saw Lamb of God for the first time at the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee. I remember Hatebreed and In Flames were opening for him. Uh, one person that came with me was my neighbor Seabass, who also loves metal music. Uh, this was a sold-out show with just a bunch of metalheads in one giant space. It was neat. It was really rad, actually. Um, Hatebreed played great mosh pit songs like Destroy Everything and Everyone Bleeds Now. Lamb of God played my favorite song called Contractor. You know, now that I think about it, this was a no-doubt top 10 all-time concert of mine. It was that good. 
2013. So this was a big year for me music-wise. Actually, a really big year. 2013 was the last year I bought a CD. It was Ministries from Beer to Eternity. And the reason why I bought a CD, and I should say the reason that it was my last CD I bought, is because I was introduced to Spotify. Streaming music changed my life, literally. You know, what the Beastie Boys said in their book about anyone who says digital music sucks is really lying to themselves. How can you not get excited about having access to all the music that was ever made? From your smartphone, from one device. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was now truly able to just explore new music whenever, wherever, and be one click of a button away. Here's a good example of what I mean. When you have the internet available and you're able to use Wikipedia to go read up on your favorite artist to learn the history of them, and you say to yourself, oh, so the lead singer of band A has a side project with this other band B, and then immediately be able to go to Spotify and listen to that side project band B, that's a game changer, folks. It is. That's what I'm talking about. So around this time, I started reading more reviews about albums online uh, online at websites like uh, punknews.org or ratemusic.com, and then I would go listen to them on Spotify. I found some of my favorite bands this way. <clears throat> Iron Cheek, Quicksand, Red City Radio, MIA, Billie Eilish, Black Peaks, Cairo Emerald, Dead Sarah, Daughters, Health, Manchester Orchestra, The Menzingers, The Silver Sun Pickups, Sleigh Bells, Wolf Mother, Behemoth, Bombus, Code Orange, Exodus, High on Fire, <coughs> Merciful Fate, Cavellertech, Mastodon, Overkill, Power Trip, Sword, Zeal and Ardor, The Bomb Pops, Ski Mask and the Slump God, Shredders, Kendrick Lamar. And let's spend a little time on Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. I just want to talk about these two artists for a second. You know, I never listened to either of them growing up, especially Judas Priest. Now, I enjoyed some Iron Maiden from time to time, but never really just focused on them until about 2013. I didn't own any of their music, so I used Spotify to dive headfirst into their discography right away. This is when I absolutely fell in love with Judas Priest. The first album I listened to was the Painkiller album. Once I heard that drum solo lead-in on the opening song Painkiller, and then heard Rob Halford's voice screeching voice uh, lead-in, I was immediately hooked. And yes, that's the same song that I played for you guys right out of the gates today for this podcast. If there's one thing I've learned about enjoying music over the years, it's heavy metal guitar solos being traded off between two lead guitarists are probably my favorite. This is exactly what Judas Priest is built off of. The way Glenn Tipton and K.K. Downing can go toe-to-toe with each other, it's just so fun to listen to. Same with the band Slayer. They have two lead guitarists that trade off from lead to rhythm nonstop. These bands are so amazing to see live. Okay, back to Judas Priest. I think I got lucky and heard that Painkiller album first because it's personally my favorite. Uh, their catalog of music it just goes so deep. 
Even their older stuff, like Sin, Again, Sin After Sin, Stained Class, and Sad Wings of Destiny. It's just absolutely perfect. It wasn't until I started listening to the British Steel album where I realized that I did in fact hear that album before, probably because most of their hit songs are on it. So anyways, even their newest album, Power, uh, I'm sorry, Firepower, it's spot on. I love all their stuff, except for Point of Entry and their Nostradamus album. Those are just okay albums. But nevertheless, they do have some great tracks on them as well. Now, Iron Maiden, in my opinion, is built for the live show experience. Uh, their songs just, they just tell a story. They do. My favorite album of theirs is the Power Slave album. This album is just, uh, it's just so full of life and storytelling. Every time I listen to it, I find something new. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy those first two albums that they put out, uh, which was their debut album and the Killers album. Those are with the original lead singer. Uh, the, the number of the Beast album is really good as well. It just has so many hit songs on it. To be honest, you know, there's still a ton of songs in their catalog that I haven't listened to yet. But don't worry. Don't you worry, folks. I will. I'll listen to it all eventually. Over the summer of 2013, I went to the Memorial Union Terrace with my hip-hop show buddy, Nick, and we were going to go see LP and Killer Mike. I think this is a show I dragged him to this time. At least, Killer Mike and LP is how it was advertised. Halfway through the show, they started to rap together and said, Y'all want to hear some Run the Jewels? I was all, the fuck are they talking about? And then they started rapping, going back and forth, and... Their flow together was just amazing. So when I got home that night, I typed in Run the Jewels into Spotify and discovered that they had some singles. And then, I think it was a few months later, their self-titled debut dropped. And I'll tell you what, that album, I listened to it nonstop after that, and my mind was blown. These two can feed off each other, and they produce such a high level of energy when they when they rap and flow. It's It's phenomenal. Run the Jewels is no doubt my favorite hip-hop artist of the 2010s. You know, they were supposed to open for Rage Against the Machine this summer at Alpine Valley, but yeah, that show now got delayed a whole year to date. That ain't happened until 2021, folks. 2014. This is when I started listening to Slipknot again. You know, sometimes a new album gets me fired up to listen to a band again, like in this case. Slipknot just released their new Point Five, The Grey Chapter album. I guess I'm a sucker for good advertising and the way they teased this album for months before the release. I truly think that Grey Chapter album is probably my favorite Slipknot album right now. You know, they toured uh, for this album and came to Madison. I got to see Korn and Slipknot together, both for the first time. For me and they were just amazing shows the energy that both of those bands can put off live or it's they're almost second to none oh uh, let's see i was also able to finally see the pixies this year one of my all-time favorite bands they were absolutely amazing uh the thing i remember most about this show other than having a great crew of friends with me was the opening band Two dudes, one on drums and one on the guitar bass, they're named Royal Blood. Their music is just absolutely unique, and you gotta really you gotta listen to it. You almost have to see it to believe it. Two dudes producing that kind of awesome music. So do me a favor and go check out Royal Blood live if you can. 
Uh, let's see, a few other notable albums that got me fired up in 2014 were Comeback Kid, Die Knowing. I heard a, I heard of this hardcore punk album. I read a review on it. I thought I listened to it. I, I gave it a spin. I thought it was pretty good. And then I really focused and listened to it on a bike ride and thought to myself, I need to listen to more Comeback Kid. And you know what? I did. I listened to every one of their songs and their their discography is just amazing. They're probably one of my favorite hardcore punk bands to this day. I also found around this time a ranking of the top 100 punk albums ever that someone put together. Found it on rateyourmusic.com. Uh, it was some some kind of a mathematical equation from people's rankings from a different website. It sounded like a bunch of math mumbo-jumbo to me, but I was tabulated. But nevertheless, you know, I got into a bunch of old punk rock that I, I never heard before. This is when I started listening to bands like Operation Ivy. I listened to uh, Streetlight Manifesto, Everything Goes Numb album. Leftover Crack, Fuck World Trade. Refuse, The Shape of Punk to Come. By the way, put that album in if you want to throw some weights around and you'll have a mighty fine workout. Trust me. That's what I'm going to be listening to right after this podcast when I throw some weights around. Choking Victim, No Gods, No Managers. Minor Threat, Complete Discography. Another band I'm not sure why I didn't listen to years ago, but they're phenomenal. X, Los Angeles. Misfits, Walk Among Us. Dag Nasty, Wig Out at Danko's. Tiger Army, One. The Filaments, What's Next? Discharge, hear nothing, say nothing. Fear, the record. Another thing on fear. This is a great story. Once I realized they were on SNL back in 1981, I went online and, and found the YouTube video and watched it. Fear just destroyed the entire stage. There were stage divers everywhere. Apparently, John Belushi was a huge fan of the band Fear, and somehow he convinced Norm Michaels to give him a music spot that week. Well, guess what? All hell broke loose. Needless to say, Norm has blacklisted the band Fear from future episodes. If you get a chance, Google it, check it out. 2015 is when I went and saw the Kill Switch Engage Rise Against show at the Orpheum. This was the first tour with the original Kill Switch singer back in the mix, so I couldn't miss it. Also, I saw Rise Against a few years earlier at the Rave in the Eagles Ballroom, and the sound really sucked ass that night. So I was hoping that Rise Against would be better. And you know what? The sound was much better for this show, so I was happy camper. Uh, Rise Against, you know, they, they put on one hell of a great live show. They do. Punk or not, love them or hate them. I'm a huge Rise Against fan. I also got to check Ministry off my concert bucket list. Al Jorgensen isn't getting any younger, and I really wanted to see him live before he died. You know, for how much smack that guy has shot up over the years, I'm surprised he's still alive. Um, you know, I just wish I saw him back in their heyday in 1989. That's when they were touring to support the Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste album. Uh, you know... Back then, they had to tour with two drummers because of the complexity of that album. Ministry also played at that time behind a chain link fence because the crowd would get so rowdy. <laughs> Go watch some YouTube videos on, on the 1989 uh, Ministry show and you'll just be amazed. You're going to wish that you were there as well. 2016. 
Okay, this is the year I finally got to see Slayer. Testament was the opener for them, and they blew the doors off of the Orpheum that night. I'm so happy I got to check off both those thrash bands off my bucket list all on the same night. Um, okay, so then, I think a few weeks later, maybe, was the Dropkick Murphy show also at the Orpheum. I think I saw the drop kicks about four to five times now, and this was time number three from what I can remember. So three songs in, I was thinking, are these all the songs off the Do or Die album? And it wasn't actually until after the fourth song that the band said that they were playing the entire Do or Die album cover to cover. That was pretty cool. Uh, 2016 is also when I started my DJ business, Amp Mobile DJ. I knew I needed to be more of a music expert, being a DJ, and also I started listening to more 70s music. I discovered a huge love for some awesome bands that I, I probably never would have listened to otherwise. And uh, I just, you know, a lot of these bands I heard of and I listened to some of their radio hits, but I never really gave them the time of day. These are some of the bands I'm talking about. Bachman Turner Orchestra, Blondie, Boston, The Cars, Cheap Trick, CCR, David Bowie, Holland Oates, Deep Purple, Donna Summer, The Doors, The Edgar Winter Group, Electric Light Orchestra, Clapton, Foghat, Foreigner, Jethro Tull, Little River Band, Journey, Kiss, Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner, Magazine, Motorhead, The Stones, The Runaways, Rush, Steely Dan, Steppenwolf, Styx, Thin Lizzy, Triumph, UFO, Uriah Heep, and The Who. Like I said, I went back and listened to their entire albums. And once I realized that how good they were, I, I told myself I should have been listening to 70s music all along. I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, and don't forget about the 80s. Now that I have access to all music, I dove right back into some of the music that started it all for me. 80s dance music is still some of my favorite. You can't tell me that when you hear the song, Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my Monday, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Or let's say, Get out of my dreams, get into my car by Billy Ocean. You know, when those tracks come on, if you don't get out of your chair, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so around this time, when I'm listening to music that I, I want to play during DJ sets, I also realize that people just don't know how much they love Little John or Pitbull until they get some liquor in them. Because when you get some liquor in you and somebody drops some Little John or Pitbull, Let's just say those are huge DJ dance party crowd favorites. They keep the crowd moving, you know. All right. Now we're on to 2017. Strung Out was on tour this year with Fishbone and Reverend Horton Heat. Kind of a weird lineup, I know, but it's still a great show. Strung Out was the opener. So my favorite band being the opener of this tour I thought was kind of funny. But anyways, I got to go all the way up to the stage sing all my favorite songs. There were about 25 other diehard fans that were doing the same thing. It was just so rad to see them in Madison. I don't know if they ever played in Madison before, but it was cool. I even got to meet the bassist Chris Aiken after the show in the lobby. He gave me a sticker, strung out sticker, which I put on my Never Summer snowboard. Well, that sticker fell off and is now somewhere around the mountain at Revelstoke, Canada. Uh, let's see. Another fun story for you. 
In 2017, I was DJing a country wedding northwest of Wausau. So I know what you're thinking. I'm not a big country fan. Well, first of all, for a guy who listens to almost zero country music, I kill it at country weddings. Second of all, after I kill it at country weddings, I need to wash all the country music out of my ears with on, uh, with some different music on the ride home. So that night, I was thinking I'd just cue up a little Mastodon after the wedding and entertain myself with the new Emperor of the Sand album and really listen to it. Now, you know, when you have music playing in the background and you just kind of listen, it's one thing. But when you really listen, I mean, with all of your might, that's when it gets fun. That's when you think, that's when you hear intricacies of the album that you've never heard before. So I really listened to this Mastodon album with all of my energy for that three hour drive home. I got through three entire albums that night from Mastodon, their newest. Once More Around the Sun, and finally the Crack the Sky album. I'll tell you what, Mastodon truly are in a league of their own. You know, I call them a heavy metal jam band. So think of what Tool is to being a hard rock alternative jam band. Mastodon is to being a heavy metal jam band. All right, let's talk 2018. I discovered a hip-hop group this year called Zarface mainly due to my love for MF Doom. I never knew Zarface existed until I did a until they did a collab album with MF Doom. The album was fucking amazing. I gave their entire discography a spin after uh after I listened to that that MF Doom's Zarface album. And I, I listen to them a lot. Especially when I'm riding park at Tyrell Basin. Zarface and well let's put Run the Jewels in that as well. Zarface and Run the Jewels are perfect hip hop groups for keeping your flow when you're riding snowboard park. Uh, let's see, the best concert I ever went to happened last year in 2019. Like I mentioned before, I saw Iron Maiden and this was the show at Tinley Park. I was going to go by myself because I couldn't find anybody else to go see this almighty Iron Maiden band with me. Tickets were cheap, but my good buddy Tommy Polson came to bat for me and he came with. I'll tell you what, what I loved most about this show were all the theatrics. They changed the backdrop and stage almost every song. It's as if they built the stage and the backdrop backdrops in layers. The intricacies of matching the scenery to the story that they were telling through their music, it just was jaw-dropping. Iron Maiden are literally a bunch of 60-year-old dudes, and they have as much energy as my 44-year-old ass has. That made the concert great. The backdrops made the concert great. The fact that they brought in nine truckloads of gear to construct everything made the concert great. I mean... They had a damn World War II fighter plane hanging above them for one song. Who does that? Iron Maiden. That's who. So I also saw Wu-Tang Clan with my buddy J-Lo at the Summer X Games in Minnesota. All original members with the exception of ODB, who, well, he's dead. One of his sons, granted he's got a lot of illegitimate kids, but one of his sons filled in for him. 
spot on, did a great job. It was also quite a treat to see the local Minnesota artist P.O.S. and Shredders open for Wu-Tang. I thought that was neat, too. Oh, let's see. 2019, I also got to go see a great punk rock show on September 10th last year. That was with my buddy John Malio. We saw Pennywise, Anti-Flag, and H2O. Talk about some old-school 90s throwback punk rock. It was awesome. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. I remember Amy and Vince Neil were there up in the stands, and they yelled down at me, DK! And I look up, and they were there, and they were having a great time, too. And that show was just great. Just great. The last show I saw before the coronavirus hit was December 20th of last year. That was the last live show I was I was at, and that was at Mickey's Tavern in Madison, just a local dive bar. This was a great punk rock show. Punk, I'm sorry, crust punk show, by the way, with a band who I've always adored, and I just never have had a chance to see them live called War Torn. Um, my ears were absolutely bleeding after that show. Uh, the show changed my life for the better. It truly did. That was a great show. Uh, I would say late in 2019 is also when I started listening to a little bit more Norwegian black metal. Don't know why. Just felt like playing it. You know, some Norwegian black metal is pretty good, like Marduk or Mayhem. But most of it, it's kind of dumb, and it kind of makes me laugh. They just try so hard to be evil with their corpse paint and their lyrics. It's funny, but some of it's actually pretty good. You just got to find the good stuff. Uh, 2019 was also the year I finished the longest book that I ever read. It was titled The Beastie Boys Book. (laughs) And it's amazing in every aspect. And every Beasties fan should read it. Oh, by the way, I do remember promising this book that I would borrow it out to you to read it to somebody. If that was you, please let me know and I'll get it to you so you can read it. I just, for the life of me, can't remember who I promised it to. So here's a few few albums that stuck out to me last year as well. Black Peaks, All That Divides. Think of Black Peaks as a mix of the Deftones and Mastodon with sprinkling a little tool over the top. I mean, what's not to like about that? Uh, The new Strung Out album dropped last year, Songs of Armor and Devotion. That album is real good. I like Strung Out more and more every time I listen to them. I actually played one of the songs off that album when I uh, started my last episode, part one of this, two-part series. Another album that was really mind-blowing to me last year, The Daughters, You Won't Get What You Want. It's just a phenomenal noise rock album. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this year and what is DK listening to in 2020? Well, for one, I am listening to a lot of Strung Out. I'm talking about a lot of Strung Out. I do enjoy it a lot. I'm listening to a lot of dubbed out 70s rock. You know, again, something I should have been listening to all along. Love it. Oh, someone who's very close to my heart helped me to realize that I should be listening to more 311 and Incubus than I was. Zarface is on heavy rotation. I've also been listening to a lot of newer thrash metal bands like Power Trip. 
Oh, Suicide Machines came out with a new album this year titled Revolution Spring. And that album is absolutely amazeballs. I've been grooving on a lot of Code Orange, who is this, uh, think of them as uh, more of a metalcore type band. They dropped their Under Oath album. So when you think of their last album and this one together, they, they just are groundbreaking for the type of music that they produce. It almost makes you uncomfortable to listen to it which I like. It's kind of neat. It's different. Billie Eilish is also a great artist and has a, quite a different sound from other people on the radio. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of the Menzingers and the Silver Sun pickups. I was supposed to go to the Silver Sun pickup show a few months ago and just haven't been able to, so hopefully next year they'll be back in town. Health and Perturberator, those are great bands I've been listening to. Yeah. Oathbreaker is another good band. You know, I've been I've been playing a lot of ska music lately. Um, over the last week, I've rediscovered my love for mashups uh, music like Girl Talk, and I found a lot of mashups on YouTube that I absolutely love. I'm watching a ton of music documentaries uh, right now. Actually, last night, as a matter of fact, I just finished the Netflix Evolution of Hip Hop. So I've been listening to a lot of old hip hop lately. So, there you have it. Think of this as your Chuck Norris gets captured, but somehow fights his way out of the bad guy's underground lair, and Roundhouse kicks some dude to once again win one for the Texas Rangers. And then goes to CD's Bar and Grill with his co-workers to slug down some beers moment of the day. So, that's it. That's, that's how my... Uh, my part two is ending. So yes, I'm going to work out. I got my uh, Lucky Luke's Strung Out Collaborative Armor IPA, and I'm going to celebrate this this over two hours of podcast about music that influenced my life after I do my workout. If any, and I'll, I'm going to throw this out there for anybody. If any of you ever want to chit chat about music, I'm game. Just give me a call. Hit me up. Contact me somehow, especially now since we don't have anything to do except talk on the phone. I'll talk music with you. I'm going to leave you with a track from the local hip-hop duo, uh, the, Cra the Clash. I'm sorry, The Clash. The Crest. It's A.D. and Jack Cracker. They sure know how to bust out rhymes. This track is called Big Wallet. I'm looking forward to episode 5. I have no idea what it's going to be about, but I'm sure it's going to be fucking awesome. So until then, I'm out. Inside my mind is a beast that won't survive without heat. So I bring it when I sing it and I get on my feet.